As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast presented by Visa. It is our weekly quick glance at the waiver wire coming out of Sunday's week four action. Derek Van Riper here with Brandon Funston. Taking a quick look here, what do we got, Brandon? We've got Damian Williams probably at the top of a lot of people's list because we are awaiting more details on a David Montgomery knee injury. And when you think about usage in the Chicago backfield, going back really to last season, the way David Montgomery has been used makes me more optimistic about Damian Williams than Williams' actual skills and ability make me excited about this situation. Yeah, and I've always liked Damian Williams. He was one of I mean, he was so key for the Chiefs back in their in their run to the Super Bowl um before he opted out last season. Like he was uh, he was just a a really good dual threat running back and uh you're right with the usage the way the Bears used the running backs there in M- Montgomery like it was just plugging in to that role. You got to like it. I would say, okay, well, it's, you know, also, this is, it was a broken offense that got right be- it, with the Detroit Lions matchup, which always helps. But the, the Raiders, you know, they're not, they're not someone we're going to be shaking our boots about either. So if it's Williams next week, I think he's definitely, you know, going to be a hot priority target this week on the waiver wire. Yeah, even if it's not a long, long-term injury for Montgomery, upcoming schedule's not bad at Las Vegas in Week 5, a home matchup against the Packers, in Week 6, road matchup against Tampa Bay in Week 7. The reason those matchups aren't bad is because even if the Bears are playing catch-up, which might be the case in all three of those games, Williams can be on the field in obvious passing situations. So it might be four or five catches per game the next few weeks on top of 12 to 15 carries, depending on what we get on Montgomery. So I think Williams easily atop the list in most leagues if you're looking for help at running back. I think the other name that caught my eye on Sunday is Alex Collins, mostly for very deep leagues, probably as simple as if you're in a league where Rashad Penny was being stashed in the event of a Chris Carson injury, 
you want to go ahead and make that swap now and make sure Alex Collins is on your roster instead of Penny. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the River Dancer man, he's got he's got nimble feet. He was impressive in the preseason. Looked better than Rashad Penny when Penny was out there. And I think he, you know, it's he kind of settles in, in in a style that Seattle loves. He plays that smash mouth uh just like, you know, Chris Carson can come in and do. And so, yeah, I think he is your he is your priority backup um if you're a Chris Carson manager or um, you know, just if you have some, if you're out there and you have Penny, because people do, like that's a that's a wasted roster spot. You might as well make the swap right there and get Alex Collins. Now I want to talk about a few receivers that are out there. Jamison Crowder, first game uh, back on the field this season, seven catches, sixty-one yards, nine targets, and a score in the Jets' uh, surprising win over the Titans. And I think now with Crowder back, you got Davis, you got Crowder. You at least have two. Steady pass catchers in this offense. This is another team probably going to be playing from behind a lot. So that volume looks pretty safe on a week-to-week basis. I was surprised to see that Crowder is only rostered in 19% of Yahoo leagues as of Sunday night. Yeah, out of sight, out of mind. He hasn't been out there, but you know, he looked like he was in midseason form. He's always one of those guys that's quick to become chummy with the quarterback. The court, you know, Zach Wilson throwing to him in key moments and acting like you know he he'd been out there all season long. So I think about Jamison Crowder like I think about Cole Beasley. He's just one of those grease men that you know you can always count on for targets. You know, not always huge upside, but you get in the end zone with five, six catches and seventy plus yards. He has a capability. We've seen that in the past of doing that, uh, you know, making a run of those. Just the key for him, staying healthy. Um, but I think, you know, he's got his place here and it's often somebody they can use to work over the middle. Well, I think Crowder is kind of clearly the best available receiver in a decent number of leagues. Who your second priority is at wide receiver is probably wide open at this point. We'll go back to Chicago for a moment. Darnell Mooney, 5 for 125, had a design run play that went for 10 yards, had a 64-yard reception from Justin Fields in this one as well. This could be a skinny tree in the Bears' offense. You know, Behind Allen Robinson in the passing game especially, Mooney could be that steady number two option, especially if they're not going to throw as much to the running backs in the possible Montgomery injury situation. Even if Montgomery or Williams is a heavily involved pass catcher, there's room for Darnell Mooney to continue to produce. Yeah, and Mooney was up there for like getting the most effusive praise in the preseason. You know, uh, Matt Nagy is basically you know comparing him to Terrell Owens and and and, and things like that. And people just were hot on him. And you know, this you know wasn't really Mooney's fault. The things haven't really kind of taken off yet during the season until today. Um, but. You know they love his talent there. You're right about the skinny tree. There's not a whole lot of guys. Robinson was nice to see. Got a little bit of yardage today. Everything seems to be trending up. And and again, we go back to this matchup next week against the Raiders. Uh, it should be a good good landing spot if you can get Darnell Mooney. I, you know I wouldn't hesitate to plug him in this week against the Raiders. You would put him behind Crowder though. If both were available and you can only add one. Um, not necessarily. I, you know what? I, I think there's, there's more potential upside with Mooney. Uh, you know, it was a step forward for fields. He looked a lot better. Um, you know, it was, you know, still got work in progress, but I, I think, you know, coming down to the end of the season, I would expect Mooney to maybe have the higher, higher upside and be the guy that might have more impact for you late in the season in games. And again, just that history with Jamison Crowder, not he's unreliable in that, in how long he'll be out there. But I, I think they're pretty close. I, I, 
I, you know, I, I think it's two options. You you do a contingency bid. You go with the one you like a little bit better uh, as the number one contingency bid, but you put about the same amount of a bid down on the next guy as your second place contingency. Now, how would you stack these two guys up against A.J. Green in situations where Green might still be out there based on how this Arizona offense has functioned through the first four weeks? Yeah, the Arizona offense, everybody's kind of eating right now. Even Max Williams, the tight end, uh, is getting it done the last couple weeks in a row. You look at A.J. Green, I, I think we can expect six targets most week. He had six targets four straight weeks. It's been, you know, mid mid like 40, 50 yards and a touchdown a couple times, one game over 100 yards. Um, I think it's with A.J. Green, it's a little bit low ceiling, but maybe, you know, there, there's something to be said for having a guy that's playing a lot in a, in a huge upside offense like this. I believe they're the highest scoring offense in the league. And, you know, um, it's just as we start to hit in these bye weeks, throwing someone in the flex as a chance at a touchdown or, you know, 100 yards, as we've seen these last three weeks, it's it's a nice luxury to have. So I put him third uh, behind Crowder and Mooney, but I think he's still worth rostering in 12-team leagues. Got a few receivers under 10% rostered on Yahoo. That includes Randall Cobb, who had a two-TD game against Pittsburgh, five catches for 69 yards, six targets for Cobb, there's been a bit of a an open question as to who's going to be the consistent number two in Green Bay behind Devontae Adams. I think we expected Robert Tanyan to have a more prominent role than he's had to this point. You know, we've got Marquez Valdez Scantling out there as a deep threat. We've got Alan Lazard as well. So the Packers situation does look pretty fluid. I'm curious if you have any interest in Randall Cobb here for the short term. Yeah, as we talked about these other receivers, I would slot in Cobb as like number four. I don't know that I feel like there will be a consistency there. His big day is supported by two touchdowns. You know, I always you always hate and you always you know tell people don't chase touchdowns, chase volume. What was he six six targets, five catches, sixty nine yards? Like I think the five five for sixty nine is kind of at the top end of his upside. And then you're hoping he finds he he finds the end zone, which you know I think that's going to be spotty. So yeah, I'd slot him fourth. I'm not completely disinterested. I just feel like there's going to be more volatility from week to week with Randall Cobb than the others. Yeah, probably more of a, a 14 team league and deeper sort of player. Those leagues where you're starting three receivers in the flex, you get to the bye weeks, you get to injuries where 60 or so receivers have to be considered as starting lineup options. Maybe that's where he should be rostered at this point. So I wouldn't be surprised that number ticked up, but he shouldn't be picked up in 10-team leagues where you're starting two receivers. Some with you, there's just not enough ceiling there based yeah. on that usage right now. Other couple deep league options, Van Jefferson found the end zone for the Rams. It seems like their depth options are going to be hard to predict on a week-to-week basis. Khalif Raymond scored twice for the Lions. Any interest in either of those guys? Well, I think the problem with Detroit is that they're, I mean, Quintus Cephas didn't have a bad day. Bad day. Amon Ross, St. Brown. Like, I think if you go week to week, it's been somebody different. And this week, it was kind of a collective of all of them. Raymond had the best thing. I just don't know that we can say with certainty who the guy is. Who's the number one? What's the hierarchy in the Detroit Lions passing game? And and does it matter if, if most times TJ Hawkinson and DeAndre Swift are going to be your biggest players in the pass game anyway? So... You know, we know they're going to be passing every week. I just don't think we know who the who the number one wide receiver is going to be each week. So, uh, you know, it's a dart throw with these guys, but there's always the potential because of the garbage time. 
Yeah, I think you're right. St. Brown, 10 targets. I mean, that's yeah. the, the appealing thing with him. So I think with Khalif Raymond, it could be very up and down as they continue to work with him kind of as their number two. But eventually Tyrell Williams comes back. That clouds things up even further. I know the game script is going to be Lions throwing a lot in the second half, probably on a weekly basis this season. But that group of pass catchers could be a very frustrating group. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's shift the focus over to the tight end position. Weird week at tight end because we had CJ Uzama come up with a big two touchdown game on Thursday night. And then Mo Cox did the same thing in the Colts win mm-hmm. over the Dolphins. You mentioned Max Williams a bit earlier getting more involved in that Arizona offense recently. You know, we saw Tyler Conklin step up last week in Minnesota. So there's lots of ways to go. And maybe even in some leagues, Dalton Schultz is still out there. And I'm looking at the way this Dallas offense has played through four weeks, Brandon. I'm going to say Dalton Schultz is kind of in a class of his own if you're looking at that group of names at the tight end position in your league this week. Yeah, and I like the matchup against the Giants this week, but Dalton Schultz has been the most consistent guy there. And I'm, you know, we were talking this morning as we we're answering question, start sit questions for the week, you know, and I was saying Blake Jarwin split in time with him, but that hasn't mattered. You know, if the quarterback, you know, is throwing specifically to one tight end over the other over and over and over again, you're going to have to kind of just follow that volume even if they're playing if they're on the field you know a similar amount of time so definitely Dalton Schultz I think is the prize of that group I'm a little bit leery about Uzoma because T Higgins has been out and when T Higgins is back you suddenly have three very you know um, obvious receiving candidates and then you have Joe Mixon one of the most heavily used running backs and where does CJ Uzoma fit in there we've seen Uzoma have random good games from time to time Again, this comes down to consistency with him. I don't, you know, I think everybody that we've mentioned other than Ozoma is probably a tight end I would prefer over him. Yeah, and even the Mo Alley Cox situation, I think because the wide receiver group isn't particularly deep there. I mean, Michael Pittman's playing really well. Zach Pascal's been involved early on. I think there is more room for a second tight end or whoever's the preferred tight end in a given week to be a viable option based on the way the Colts have been functioning to this point. Yeah, I would just like to I just like to mention Dan Arnold who moved over to Jacksonville. Had two catches for 29 yards. It wasn't much, but we weren't I, you know, I was kind of almost surprised to even see him in there so fast of a turnaround. He looked good. They were throwing to O'Shaughnessy there until they traded for him. So they went out and they wanted him for his receiving skills. And he gets Tennessee this week, so I would probably slot him after Schultz on this group uh or right there with you know, maybe Max Williams, Dan Arnold kind of even even there, but I like Dan Arnold in Jacksonville now. We got one quarterback situation that we're keeping a really close eye on. Trey Lance stepped in after Jimmy Garoppolo left that game against the Seahawks with a calf injury. Garoppolo wasn't playing poorly. 14 to 23, 165 yards for him before he left. Trey Lance came in, went 9 of 18 for 157 yards, a couple of touchdowns, and 41 rushing yards. Uh, if Garoppolo can't go in week five, that Arizona defense awaits maybe a shootout between San Francisco and Arizona on the horizon. What's your interest level in, in Trey Lance? Is he still more of a guy that you're focused on for super flex leagues? Or do you think there's some single quarterback deep league appeal here? I don't know how there's a whole lot of difference between him and Jalen Hurts. Like, 
I, I'm not a big fan of Jalen Hurts, the passer. He's, you know, uh, Trey Lance is unrefined. If you watch his throwing, it was not pretty. And even the long touchdown when Debo Samuel was wide open, it was a, not a good pass. Debo almost had to basically stop and wait for the thing to show up. Um, Seattle was playing prevent. But you mentioned the 41 rushing yards in in a half. <laughs> you know, that's that's the upside. It's, you know, there is a good chance for 70 to 90 rushing yards any given week with him, and it's kind of like why we rank Jalen Hurts as a QB1. It's not always pretty, but those rushing yards just pay off so big, and when, especially when they have the upside that you know Jalen Hurts and Trey Lance do. So I think there's some single quarterback appeal in the right matchups. Uh, honestly, a team like Arizona that plays fast, they flush the quarterback out of the pocket, uh, I think that could work out pretty well for Trey Lance, even in an ugly reality performance. It could be good for fantasy. No, and I think I like the supporting cast that Trey Lance has in San Francisco more than I like what Jalen Hurts currently has to work with. But I would agree when you're talking about a guy that's going to get you 40 or 50 yards from the quarterback position just as a runner, that's four or five points you're starting with on top of maybe a dozen or so through the air with room for more, of course. Things could start to click at any time, and then you're talking an easy 20-point week. So I think if you're in the I've been streaming quarterbacks situation for single QB leagues, you're keeping a close eye on the Jimmy G news and preparing yourself to possibly have Trey Lance as an option to stream here in week five. But that is going to do it for this quick episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. In and out, quick waiver look in about 15 minutes. You can find Brandon on Twitter at Brandon Funston. I am at Derek Van Riper. Be sure to check out the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast for the full week four recap on Monday. That show, of course, goes live at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific on YouTube if you want to catch us then. Otherwise, of course, we'll have that episode in this feed. For Brandon Funston, I'm Derek and Riper. Thanks for listening.